Hey everyone and welcome to my A to Z of musicals. I'm Tony and my Theatre Flashbacks Twitter account is pretty much all things musicals, so check it out. Today we have reached the letter F in our journey through the alphabet and let me start by saying there is a lot to talk about with the letter F, so let's get right into it straight away. The first musical I'm going to talk about today is Stephen Sondheim's Follies. And considering I've probably got more cast recordings of this show than any other, I've actually only seen it once on stage. So I was absolutely delighted to see the highly acclaimed National Theatre production in 2018 with Imelda Staunton as Sally and Janie D as Phyllis, Philip Quast as Ben and Peter Forbes as Buddy. And this was a magnificent spectacle. The stage and production were haunting and nostalgic and dark and eerie, literally with ghosts walking around the stage. And the show is set in 1971 when actually that was the year it was first released on Broadway and it's in the Weisman Theatre in New York this crumbling theatre that's about to be pulled down and turned into a car park and originally the Weisman Theatre was the home of the Weisman Follies a musical review similar to the Ziegfeld Follies and on this day in 1971, there is a reunion of the showgirls from the past, the girls who have performed in these musical reviews over the years. And we meet two unhappily married couples, Sally and Buddy, Phyllis and Ben. It really is a magnificent story, but it wasn't... Uh, especially well received at first it got quite mixed reviews the audiences wanted something a bit more sunny and positive and optimistic and their expectations were high and therefore in the audience watching the show um, critics did say that the audience were kind of fidgety and a bit restless because it wasn't what they were expecting and maybe hoping for watching it now all these years later um, and certainly because I'm older, I kind of get that real sense of emotional pull, um, looking back on lives and, and seeing how they've turned out and not turning out the way that as a young person, they hopefully want them to do. It really is a gorgeous show. Music and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim. He decided that he didn't want to do just one or the other uh, after... Uh, Do I Hear a Waltz hadn't been a great success and he decided he was doing both. And the book was written by James Goldman. The 1971 Broadway original production um, was directed by both Hal Prince and Michael Bennett. And Michael Bennett also did the choreography for the show. And critically, it was a great success. It was nominated for 11 Tony Awards and won seven of them, including Best Score. 
But interestingly, it didn't win Best Musical that year. Um, Two Gentlemen of Verona won. Uh, however, it was not a great success financially. In fact, the show lost its investment and uh, was a total financial failure. Even though it ran for 522 performances. So the show then went through changes and there were productions, regional productions. There was a production in Manchester in 1985 at the Forum Theatre in Withenshaw, which is literally five minutes from where I live. And I've, I did go to the Forum many times in the past. Uh, sadly, the theatre is no longer there. Um, and in that production, we had the wonderful Mary Miller as Sally with Meg Johnson and Kevin Colson and Bill Bradley. There is a recording of the 1985 concert version staged at the Lincoln Centre in New York. 1985 with the most unbelievable cast. Imagine all of these people on the stage at the same time. Liliane Montevecchi, Lee Remick, George Hearn, Mandy Patinkin, Betty Comden and Adolph Green, Liz Calloway, Barbara Cook, Carol Burnett. It's just unbelievable with the stunning Elaine Stritch and her Broadway baby, which is just absolutely uh, wonderful. It's just great. And uh, Follies has been staged lots of times around the world, but the first West End production didn't happen until 1987, 16 years after it opened on Broadway. It ran for two years and it had a brilliant cast. It had uh, Julia McKenzie and Diana Rigg with Dolores Gray as Carlotta. And interestingly, Diana Rigg, because she wasn't a dancer, um, Stephen Sondheim wrote two new songs for her um, so that she didn't have to do as much movement Julie McKenzie reprised the role again of Sally in a concert version in 1997. Uh, the wonderful director Matthew Warchus uh, did a Broadway revival in 2011 with Blythe Danner and Treat Williams and Marge Champion. Again, great names, great people. And then the most famous recent large production in the United States would have been the 2011 uh, revival with, of course, the magnificent Bernadette Peters and Jan Maxwell as Phyllis, Danny Burstein and Ron Rains with our very own Elaine Page in the role of Carlotta. And that is a great recording as well. So uh, I know I've had to rush through because there's so much to say about Follies, but Follies, letter F, magnificent show. Okay, so let's see if you can guess what my next musical, beginning with the letter F, is. And here is a really big clue. You've got big dreams. You want fame? Well, fame costs. And right here's where you start paying in sweat. <laughs> well, I hope you've guessed. Of course, it is fame. And uh, that's Fame, the 1980 film, as well as the wonderful television series 
and subsequent film remake and fame the stage musical. And anybody that knows me will remember how obsessed I was, certainly in the 1980s, with everything related to fame. I wore leg warmers and I uh, bought the Fame magazine every month and played the albums to death and I saw the film and, and uh, couldn't miss a single episode of the TV series. But let's calm down, Tony, and uh, go back to the beginning. So the film Fame came out in 1980 and it was directed by Alan Parker, who had, of course, already directed the musical version of Bugsy Malone by this point. Fame basically tells the story of a bunch of high school students, Coco and Bruno and Leroy and Doris, and, and tells of their dreams and how they uh, come alive at the High School for Performing Arts, with music by Michael Gore and lyrics by Dean Pitchford and a screenplay by Christopher Gore. The film went on to win two Academy Awards, one for Best Score and the other for Best Song. And in fact, it was the first time in Academy Award history that two songs from the same film were nominated. And the two songs were Out Here On My Own and Fame, and Fame actually won the Academy Award. This show was just such a huge part of many, many young people's lives, teenagers' lives, and it had amazing music in it, including Red Light and I Sing the Body Electric. And actually, uh, Laura Dean, who was one of the actors in the film, she sings the opening to that song. She was in the original workshop of Carrie the Musical, which was the flop musical, which I won't talk too much about, actually, because there is an absolutely brilliant podcast called Out for Blood. And if you're at all interested in Carrie the Musical, this is such a great podcast, Out for Blood. Give it a listen if you get a chance. Now, the success of the film led to a television series which started in 1982 and it was also called Fame and the, the children in it, the, the students, became known, if you like, as the Kids from Fame and it spawned a whole uh, shed load of albums and concerts and tours around the world. And the show was massive, especially in the UK, actually. Quite a number of the cast from the film were transferred to the TV series, including Jean Anthony Ray as Leroy and Lee Carreri as Bruno, with wonderful Albert Haig as Professor Shirovsky and Debbie Allen, who has a tiny part in the film as Miss Grant, Lydia Grant, the dance teacher. But actually her character is central to the plotline and stories and development of the TV series. Um, the character of Doris, who was in the film, played by Maureen Teefy, uh, who actually was also in the musical film Grease 2 as one of the pink ladies, uh, was changed from Doris Finsecker to Doris Schwartz in the TV series played by the wonderful Valerie Landsberg. But I have to say that my absolute favourite character of all from the TV series 
was Coco Hernandez. And uh, she was Irene Cara in the film, but it was Arika Gimple that took over the role in the TV series. And she, she was just brilliant. I loved her. I loved everything about her, her performance, her voice, her skill, her confidence. Um, she was marvellous. And the show went on to be very successful. It had six seasons. And in uh, season four, it even had Janet Jackson as one of the high school students for a year. Uh, other people in the cast over the years included Cynthia Gibb, who in 1993 played the part of Gypsy Rose Lee in the Bette Midler TV version of Gypsy. So fame, I think you can probably tell was a, a big part of my teenage years. I loved everything about it and uh, I hope that my enthusiasm has come through in my podcast today. My first musical theatre creative with the letter F is composer Sammy Fain. And you might not recognise his name, but you will certainly recognise some of his music and the songs that he composed. Um, Sammy Fain started out as a vaudeville singer and uh, entertainer and then worked on radio before he started composing and working with a whole range of different lyricists. He's, for me, most famous and well-known for his work in the film Calamity Jane, which I talked about in the letter C. So if you want to go back and listen to that. Um, he wrote the songs and music with Paul Francis Webster in 1953, and the songs were Crack Away and Secret Love, um, are some amazing songs. He also wrote with Paul Francis Webster the very, very popular and well-known song, Love is a Many Splendid Thing. This was written for a film of the same name in 1955, and it actually won the um, Academy Award that year for Best Song. So, you know, he's produced some amazing things. And for me, I remember his name coming up on the screen when I watched Disney films as a child. He was um, a composer on uh, Alice in Wonderland in 1951 and Peter Pan in 1953, which actually is one of the very first vinyl uh, records I ever owned. And uh, he worked on the music for Sleeping Beauty in 1959. And he actually also was nominated for an Academy Award in 1977, along with Carol Connors and Ayn Robbins, for the beautiful song, Someone's Waiting For Me. And again, I had The Rescuers on vinyl. Um, I know that sounds a little sad now, but it, I used to play it all the time. And that song, it's just beautiful. So if you haven't heard it in a while or don't know it, check it out. My next musical theatre Broadway performer could be called a national treasure and in fact could also be called a musical theatre legend and if she isn't already she's certainly not far off being and that is the wonderful delightful Sutton Foster and I've never seen Sutton Foster perform live. I would love to see her on Broadway or, or if she came to the UK 
It would be amazing to see her perform. I have watched lots of clips and, and uh, things on YouTube, of course. But what I see from her is that she's just a hard-working grafter. She left school early. She hadn't even graduated so that she could join a national tour in the US of the Will Rogers Follies. And then she just never stopped working. From that moment, she um, toured in Greece and then went to Broadway with it and the Scarlet Pimpernel. She was in Annie and uh, all ensemble and smaller parts. And then she um, took on the role of Eponine on tour in Les Miserables and then took that uh, back to Broadway. And so she just worked constantly. And one of the stories that I really like is how she got the part as Millie Dillmount in Thoroughly Modern Millie. Well, she wasn't actually cast as Millie at all. She was um, an understudy. And Kristin Chenoweth actually was the original Millie Dillmount in the 2000 pre-Broadway run at the La, La Jolla Playhouse. And uh, unfortunately for Kristin Chenoweth, or not, she had to leave the production early because she was um, given a part in a television series. And so Erin Dilly replaced Kristen Chenoweth and um, uh, Sutton Foster was the understudy for Erin Dilly. But things didn't go very well and Dilly left the production with only nine days to go to the first preview. So Sutton Foster stepped up and she took on the role and was a huge success. And uh, reporters said that she was dazzling and the full package. And I can just imagine, you, you know, she, if you see any clips of her performing, she really is dazzling. And so it was a great um, reward for her, if you like, that she then was able to take the show to Broadway and won her first Tony Award for Best Performance by a Leading Actress in a Musical. How brilliant. And uh, I love that show. And the music from that show was written by Janine Tesori with um, Dick Scanlon. And they wrote 11 new songs. So not all the songs from the original film of Thoroughly Modern Millie, 11 new songs. And one of the things that I really like is that Sutton Foster has worked then a number of times with Janine Tesori over the years. And I will talk about Janine Tesori again later in the alphabet. Sutton Foster did perform in two more of Janine Tesori's musicals. The first one being Shrek the Musical in 2008. And this was based on the DreamWorks animated film Sutton played the part of Princess Fiona and it opened at the Broadway Theatre in December of 2008. And I managed to see this production when it came to London in the West End at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane. Um, I didn't see it actually until August 2012, so uh, the many of the original West End cast had left. I saw Carly Stenson but I did see Richie Blackwood as the donkey and Dean Chisnell as Shrek. And there were some amazing 
people in the ensemble, including Bradley Jaden, who is currently Javert in Les Mis in the West End, Alice Fern, who's been in Wicked and Come From Away, Claire House, who interestingly played uh, an Umpa Lumpa in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. She went on to be Polly Sawyer in that amazing West End production of 42nd Street. Absolutely stunning. And, and interestingly, Claire House also was in our production of Thoroughly Modern Millie at Kilworth House in Leicester in 2016. She played Miss Dorothy. So a great ensemble team there. The other um, Janine Tesori musical that Sutton Foster starred in was Violet, which had started off as a 1997 off-Broadway show. And then in 2013, there was a one-night-only production and uh, Sutton Foster played the part of Violet. She was joined on stage by Joshua Henry, who has been in such amazing shows as Kandra Nebs, The Scottsboro Boys, and he toured the US in Hamilton as Aaron Burr, and most recently in that fabulous production of Carousel. And also on stage in the ensemble was Keela Settle, who has had great success in the film The Greatest Showman. Um, after that one night production, then Sutton joined the Roundabout Theatre production of Violet on Broadway, and she actually had a Tony nomination for this. This show was performed in the um, Off West End in London in 2019, and I saw the wonderful Kaiser Hammerlund playing Violet at the Charing Cross Theatre. I will be talking more about Kaiser Hamelund because I think she's an absolute star. So Sutton Foster's done so many great shows and she uh, starred in The Drowsy Chaperone, which I talked about when I did my letter D, and Young Frankenstein, the Mel Brooks musical in 2007. She's been in Anyone Can Whistle and Funny Girl and Chess in Concert and The Wild Party and the list is just endless. And uh, she won her second Tony for the Anything Goes revival in 2011 when she played Reno Sweeney. And uh, there are some incredible clips of her uh, online that you can see. I wish I'd seen that. Um, one of the shows that she was in in 2005, which is a particular favourite of mine, was Little Women. And there is an absolutely beautiful cast recording of this. And I'm so glad because it was a very short-lived production. And Sutton Foster played Joe March, one of the March sisters. And this is a, a show with music and lyrics by Mindy Dickstein and Jason Howland. And Sutton was joined on stage by the legendary Maureen McGovern as Marmy. It's the most beautiful story. And I saw a stunning production, which was actually the European premiere of Little Women, Little Women at the Hope Mill Theatre here in Manchester back in 2017. And uh, the role of Joe Marge was played by Amy Giselle Ward. And I keep looking out for her name in the hope that I'll see her in something else because she was absolutely incredible. 
So the final thing to say about Sutton Foster, other than she's done a huge other list of shows that I haven't even mentioned, is that she will be starring on Broadway as soon as theatres reopen, alongside Hugh Jackman in a new production of The Music Man. And I'm sure that will be amazing. Uh, fingers crossed that they might bring it to the UK. So Sutton Foster, an absolute national treasure. One of my absolute favourite musicals of recent years has got to be the heartwarming, beautiful Flowers for Mrs Harris. And I was so lucky to see the original production of this back in May 2016 at the Sheffield Crucible Theatre. And this was a limited run. And the music and lyrics for this show were written by Richard Taylor, based on a Paul Gallico novel from 1958 called Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. And it was the first in a series of four books where Ada Harris is the main character. She's a London charwoman, uh, a cleaner. And in the stage production, she was portrayed by the absolutely magnificent Claire Burt. Claire Burt uh, played the part in Sheffield for the limited run. And then also when the show was uh, revived in September 2018 at the Chichester Festival Theatre. And both productions were directed by Daniel Evans. The cast of the original production included the wonderful Mark Meadows as Albert and Laura Pitt Pulford, uh, Lewis Maskell and Nicholas Sloan, all absolutely brilliant performers. And along with Anna Jane Casey, who played the part of Ada's best friend, Violet Butterfield. And Anna Jane Casey was just phenomenal in that role. She was absolutely brilliant. When the show transferred to Chichester, the part of Violet was played by another of my favourite um, current performers, Claire Machin, and both are such great comedic performers, absolutely brilliant. Also in the um, Sheffield production was the fabulous Rebecca Kane as a Lady Dant. And when the show went to Chichester, that role was played by the equally fabulous Joanna Riding. So, you know, look at the quality of these performers in this, uh, in this show. And uh, the book was written by Rachel Wagstaff. The show had a really good reaction and a good response. And what was really fantastic was during the 2020 um, national lockdown, there was a period when for three days in July of 2020, the cast reassembled to socially distance record this score. So there is now a Chichester cast recording, which is absolutely amazing. Um, just as a side note, there, there have been a couple of film versions. There was a 1957 film version made for US TV, starring Gracie Fields as Ada Harris. And then in 1992, the wonderful Angela Lansbury played the part in another TV movie 
and Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. So flowers for Mrs. Harris, just perfect. Okay, so wish me luck. I'm going to try and sum up the essence of and legacy of the incredible Bob Fosse in just a few minutes. Now, I'll just tell you that I've tried four times already and there is so much to say that I've had to re-record it to reduce the amount of space. So let's get started. Well, of course, Bob Fosse was a true maverick. His unique, distinctive, really unmistakable dance style is what's kind of most recognised. And if you watch a Bob Fosse film or see footage of any of the stage productions, you instantly know, don't you, that this is his work. That um, style of dance that was so close up and angular and focused on isolation and, and individual body parts that was totally different really from any of the dance that had gone before. Uh, I think about Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire and I know Gene Kelly talked a lot about the camera following the whole body so you saw the fluidity of the movement. So this was totally different and Bob Fosse had started dancing at the age of nine. He had some dance lessons and then went on to professional dancing work from the age of 13, albeit not necessarily in the uh, nicest of places, dance halls and rundown vaudeville theatres and burlesque houses and nightclubs. And it's quite clear that some of his style came from that time. You know, it, his dance is really charged with sexuality. Um, Bob Fosse is known to have been highly temperamental and uh, a perfectionist and obsessive in his drive, but also hugely respected. I'm not going to talk today about Sweet Charity and Pippin and Chicago, mainly because they're going to get mentioned at other times in the A to Z. I want to start in 1953 with the MGM film Kiss Me Kate and Bob Fosse uh, starred in this film but also was given the chance to choreograph a small part of it by the choreographer Hermes Pan. Now Hermes Pan is most famous probably for his work and collaborations with Fred Astaire in the early Fred and Ginger movies from the 1930s. And uh, Bob Fosse was able to choreograph a routine, which he did with Carol Haney. Now, Carol Haney, he worked with later. Uh, she starred in the film production of Pajama Game. And I have to say that her routine to Steam Heat is one of my favourite choreographed routines of all time. It's It's stunning. So watching um, Kiss Me Cage, you see Bob Fosse dancing with Carol Haney, but also in that number from this moment on, the wonderful Cole Porter song that was actually added to the film. It wasn't in the original 1948 Broadway production of Kiss Me Cage. And he danced alongside Tommy Rao and Bobby Van and the wonderful Anne Miller um, and it, there's some great routines in there worth revisiting. And because of his work in that film, he then got his opportunity to choreograph on Broadway. And his debut, 
Broadway choreography was in the 1954 musical, which was a huge hit, The Pajama Game. And actually, it was a huge hit, not just for Bob Fosse, but also for Hal Prince, who was the producer. And it was the first of Bob Fosse's nine Tony Awards. Wow. And the following year, 1955, was Damn Yankees on stage in Broadway, on Broadway. And this was... Um, when he met his future wife, Gwen Verdon. And this was a, a baseball story. It was another great hit, a really big success. And both Pajama Game and Damn Yankees were filmed uh, within the 1950s, a little bit later. If you go on to um, YouTube or online, you can see actually some clips as well from the 1955 film my sister Eileen, in which uh, Bob Fosse does some amazing dance routines. Again, with Tommy Rao, there's a, a fabulous duet dance in the streets. And Betty Garrett and Jack Lemmon and Janet Leigh star in that film. And as an aside, uh, it's interesting that the story of My Sister Eileen is the exact same story of the musical wonderful town that was on Broadway in 1953, the same year. Same story, but totally different film and stage productions. So um, we then have the success of the films, Damn Yankee and Pajama Game and Fosse, then had his stage directorial debut in 1959, again with Gwen Verdon. And uh, this was in the musical Redhead. Music by Albert Haig. And his name might sound familiar because I've already talked about him today when we talked about Professor Shirovsky in the TV and film of fame. So Albert Haig wrote the music for Redhead with lyrics by the fantastic Dorothy Fields, who's another great letter F in this A to Z of musicals. Dorothy Fields was a librettist and a lyricist and she wrote over 400 songs from films and stage shows uh, including the fabulous music from Swing Time and Sweet Charity which I'll be talking about. She worked with quite a number of different collaborators. She worked with Jerome Kern, Irving Berlin. She wrote the book actually for Annie Get Your Gun. So uh, Dorothy Fields is definitely a letter F worth talking about. Going back to Redhead, um, this was a strange murder mystery musical, really, which was set in the Simpsons Sisters Waxworths, Waxworks Museum. That's a bit of a mouthful. Try and say that a few times quickly. And it was originally written for Beatrice Lilly, uh, but then rewritten so that um, it could work for Gwen Verdon. And the show did really well. It won five out of seven Tony nominations, including Best Musical and Best Choreography for uh, Bob Fosse, as well as Gwen Verdon, Best Actress in a Musical. So great success. And the following year, 1960, is when Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdon got married. Interestingly, in spite of a very troubled relationship, and, of course, Bob Fosse, whose life was fueled by drug and alcohol abuse and it was a difficult relationship, they did separate in 1971, but they never divorced. And, in fact, 
They remained uh, legally married until his death. Uh, now, let's just think about one of Bob Fosse's massive hits, which was Cabaret. This was the 1972 film version of the Candoran Ebb musical. This show started off on Broadway in 1966 and originally was choreographed by Ron Field, who had a whole uh, raft of dance uh, experience behind him. He danced on Broadway in shows like Gentlemen Prefer Blondes in 1949 with Carol Channing. He danced in Kismet in 1954 and The Boyfriend in 1955 and then had success as a Broadway choreographer with obviously Cabaret in, um, in 66, Zorba in 1968, Applause, the Lauren Bacall musical which we talked about during the letter A in 1970 and one of my favourites, the short-lived Rags in 1986. Cabaret on stage starred Jill Howarth as Sally Bowles. And of course, we know that in the film version, Sally Bowles was played magnificently by Liza Minnelli. Bob Fosse directed the film and uh, it was a very different take to the stage show. Uh, Liza Minnelli, Joe Gray reprised his role Interestingly, the role of Sally Bowles was offered in the film version to Julie Andrews before um, it went to Liza Minnelli and Julie Andrews' manager turned it down because of the character's immorality. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine what that film might have been like if Julie Andrews had taken the part. It won eight Oscars including Best Picture and Director for Fosse and, uh, and Liza Minnelli and Joe Gray both won as well. In 1973 at the Oscars, when Bob Fosse won, he became the only person to win an Oscar, a Tony and an Emmy all in the same year. Wow, what a, what a talented man. I want to just mention, before we finish talking about Bob Fosse, the film of All That Jazz. Now, All That Jazz was a semi-autobiographical picture, which actually Bob Fosse co-wrote the screenplay for, as well as directing. And its lead character is called Joe Gideon, played brilliantly by Roy Scheider. It won nine it had actually nine Oscar nominations and won four. And uh, there were some amazing uh, performances in this film. One of my favourites was the beautiful Jessica Lange as the Angel of Death. And of course, Anne Ranking and Leland Palmer were just stunning. I remember going to see this film at the cinema in 1979 and being completely blown away by it. Sadly... Uh, Bob Fosse died of a heart attack in 1987. Um, he had said much earlier in his life that he always expected that he wouldn't live beyond the age of 25. So probably in his mind, he did, uh, he did last a long time. But what an incredible legacy he has left us. And 
it makes me want to go away now instantly and watch some more of his brilliant work. When I bought my first house back in the 1980s, one of my neighbours was a drag queen who used to perform I'm the Greatest Star as part of his cabaret act and he would lip sync to Barbara Streisand from the film version of Funny Girl. So I have really fond memories of Funny Girl and actually I love that song, I'm the Greatest Star. It's just so powerful, isn't it? Um, so Funny Girl was a 1964 musical biography, really, of the great comedian and Ziegfeld Follies star, Fanny Bryce. And it was written with music by Julie Stein and lyrics by Bob Merrill and the book by Isabel Leonard. The stage production was originally directed by Jerome Robbins. Of course, he was hugely uh, successful with The King and I and West Side Story, Gypsy and Fiddler on the Roof all on Broadway. Um, although he did leave the production uh, for a while because uh, he was struggling with some of the other creatives on the production. And in fact, Bob Fosse took over for a little while as well. The show w became a great success for its leading lady, Barbara Joan Streisand. And this was actually going to be her last Broadway appearance, but it was such a phenomenal one. It really, truly made Barbara Streisand a star. Her great comedic talent was perfectly suited to the role of Fanny Bryce. Uh, the music in this show is great and it has... Uh, don't Rain on My Parade, which is one of the all-time best songs ever, in my opinion, from a musical. It ran on Broadway for over three years and in 1964 was nominated for eight Tony Awards, but actually it didn't win any. That same year, Hello Dolly was um, up for Tony Awards as well and uh, that was far more successful in the award ceremonies. So Barbara Streisand became a star. So in 1968, when the film version was released, she not only was a, a Broadway star, but then became an international movie star. This was her screen debut, and it's amazing to watch it and see the confidence that she has. Uh, and it's hard to believe that that's her very first ever film. For me, there are some brilliant songs in the film that were added, new songs that came along. Uh, uh, quite a few of the original songs from the stage show were cut from the film, but they did introduce I'd Rather Be Blue, which is that wonderful uh, comedy scene when Barbara Streisand is on roller skates, and it's, it's absolutely amazing. The film was directed by the wonderful William Wyler, and uh, what a great uh, director he was. And it was a, a, a fantastic film. Followed in 1973 by the sequel, Funny Lady, which I have to say, in my opinion, isn't a great film, with James Kahn starring alongside Barbara Streisand. Um, some new songs written by Kandra and Ebb, uh, but it's not one that I go back to very often. 
Now, the stage show did come to the West End in 1966. Barbara Streisand actually brought it to the West End. Imagine that, going to see her on stage in that production. Um, and then there wasn't really a revival anywhere on a full scale until 2015 in the uh, off West End Many a Chocolate Factory. Now this is a really wonderful theatre. It's one of my favourite off West End theatres, and they do stunning productions. And this was the case. Uh, Sheridan Smith starred as uh, Fanny Bryce with Darius. Darius Campbell in the role of Nikki Arnstein and they both did an absolutely superb job. The show was a limited run but it was so successful that it then moved, transferred to the West End to the Savoy Theatre in April 2006 and actually I went again to see that. Um, Sharon Smith's understudy Natasha J Barnes did perform a lot of the uh, shows because of absences from Sheridan Smith. And she also got extremely good reviews. And then the show went on a tour of the United Kingdom in 2017. And actually the production was filmed and is available to, to watch. Just before the world went into lockdown in February of 2020, 2020 I went to Paris to the Theatre Marigny and it was my first ever theatre trip in France and I went to see the Stephen Meir production he directed and choreographed at the wonderful Christina Bianco as Fanny Bryce with Ashley Day as Nicky Arnstein and that was a great production and it was really good to see that show sung in English with mostly a French audience uh, and they loved it it was absolutely wonderful so funny girl one of the great musicals beginning with the letter F and so we have reached our final section who've we missed well we've missed lots of letter F's today unfortunately because of time we've missed Julia Foster, who plays Anne in the wonderful Half a Sixpence film. We've missed Maria and Sonia Friedman and uh, Harvey Feierstein, Stephen Flaherty, the composer of Once on this Island and Ragtime, and Nanette Fabre, that wonderful musical actress. We've also missed shows like Flower Drum Song and Fiorello and Frozen and of course Fiddler on the Roof but don't worry because we will be talking about some of those as we move further through our A to Z of musical theatre. So thank you for listening and uh, I hope you'll join me next time when we delve into the letter G. For now have a Doris day. Bye! <laughs>